Hello, and welcome to another episode of Clark Hill's Credit Eco to Go, Curbside Thought Leadership for Financial Services. My name is Joanne Needleman, and I am a partner at Clark Hill, as well as a member of the firm's banking and financial services practice group. T- uh, my guest today on the podcast is Gary Cooter. Uh, Gary is a senior vice president of retail banking and chief compliance officer at Capital Bank in Madison, Wisconsin. As head of retail banking, he oversees the branch staff, business banking, and treasury management. As chief compliance officer, he ensures the bank's compliance with the Bank Secrecy Act and the Community Reinvestment Act. Gary is a member of the Wisconsin Bankers Association, where he serves as the compliance risk management school director, teacher, and advisory board member. Gary, welcome to Credit Eco to Go, and thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to our discussion today because there was some interesting news that came out in May of this year, and that was that the OCC finally, uh, at least one of the financial regulators, I should say, have finally taken a look at the Community Reinvestment Act, or CRA, as you and I know it so well, and try to modernize it. And I guess as a banker, my question for you is, uh, does the regulation, um, I know the regulation kept you, you and many other bankers up at night, but do these changes um, achieve the modernization that the OCC was looking for? And I would love to hear your thoughts on the new rule. Sure. Um, I think all the stakeholders involved, including bankers, can appreciate the fact that they're trying to modernize the, the CRA and that they've taken the step to do that. I think the couple concerns out there um, that, that everyone shares and probably not just bankers is one of the facts that they, they um, went out and did this alone without the other regulators, but also during a pandemic in, in a time when all bankers, not just community bankers, but uh, maybe more so community bankers that don't have the large staff um, are already dealing with, you know, PPP loans um, and other pandemic situations. So for that new and somewhat complex, I think we can all agree, rules and, you know, with over 7,500 comment letters, a, a lot opposing what was out there originally proposed and all the, they made some changes from that, not a lot, um, um, was kind of surprising. I would agree with that. And do you, I think one of the, I think the key points of, of, of the revised rule, at least from the OCC standpoint, was to expand activities that qualify for CRA. I know that bankers like, your, like yourself felt very boxed in about what sort of lending opportunities you could get involved with in order to get CRA credit, because that's always a, a goal for, for many community bankers. But do you think that uh, the proposals and the final rule really do allow you some freedom to expand in some new areas of lending that would ultimately result in CRA credit? Well, I think, you know, they're supposed to be issuing like a list of examples that, right. that would um, qualify for those and so possibly I guess would be my answer at this point so I'd be curious to see what they're what they're going to put out there in in regards to that you know I am a big believer in 
you know, both uh, large and small banks are already doing what they can within their communities. Um, I know a bank our size, everything we do, um, you know, ties back to community. And if it doesn't, you have a reputational risk that lies behind that, you know. So as far as will it um, increase those activities, it might put a little more focus on it to maybe the executive management teams to make sure that they're doing what they can. Um, I know in our area, there's just so many banks that, you know, the regulators have allowed us to go outside our assessment areas and still give us credit. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I think that there'll be more um, ways to get CRA credit, um, possibly, but I guess we'll wait and see what uh, they put out there for their examples too. Right, and we, and we don't know what the process is going to be uh, when you want to apply for something that's yeah. you know, outside the box. Uh, they haven't given us any indication on that. For sure. So Gary, as you had mentioned, the FDIC and the, and the Fed did not sign on to the OCC's proposal. Uh, Capital Bank is a regional bank. I'm sure the OCC is not even your primary regulator. So these CRA proposals may not have necessarily an impact on your particular bank. But I'm curious, and especially in, in, especially in your involvement with the Wisconsin Bankers Association, what is the sense about, number one, when the FDIC or Fed will come out with their proposed rules, and how will they all integrate? Because it seems it would be, in my opinion, difficult for one regulator to have a set of standards, and then all the other regulators have different standards. That's got to be really difficult for a bank, especially of your size. Correct. It definitely is. And whenever one regulator puts something out, especially in the compliance world, um, we know that it could be taken on by another regulator. So we're paying attention even when one, especially when it goes final, to see will the FDIC or will the Federal Reserve um, um, decide to join in. Obviously, um, they chose not to at this point in time, you know, and, and I know that Chairwoman uh, Williams, she came out and said that during a pandemic is not the right time. And I think everybody agrees with that. Um, I've also heard she's wanted to um, have a second round of comments um, to see what may come back from that as well. Um, I know that Rob Nichols from the American Bankers Association um, uh, went public after the OCC came out and said it really hasn't met the goal. I know that everybody appreciates that the OCC wants to modernize it. Um, it you know, and, and in some cases they made it better. You know, the asset size threshold will help some community banks fall into the more small and small intermediate um, based on the thresholds. But uh, really to have all three join in would be the ultimate on something that all the stakeholders can agree upon. I think there's still things within here under performance measures and data analytics that, you know, is going to cost, you know, we estimated about $100,000 for a small bank mm -hmm. um, to do the, the data collection, um, to hire somebody with the expertise and benefit with benefits would cost the bank about $100,000. And in there, I'm just talking about a very small bank. Right, so. right. Do you think that even with the OCC's final rule, it will change the way banks are being supervised overall? 
I, th I think that regulators do a good job when they come in, especially if they live in that area, to, mm -hmm. they know what's going on and um, somewhat um, sympathetic or, you know, of, of what's with the banks. I mean, if you're trying, you know, and I'll use an example here at our bank, Madison, and like I mentioned, is just so hard to get CRE credit. We have 25 uh, banking institutions within a three mile radius. Um, they do allow us to go outside a market anywhere in the state to get investments for CRA, um, which technically from a rule standpoint wouldn't have to do that, but I think they know. So, I mean, I think regulators know this needs to be modernized too, to an extent, um, to be able to get more CRA credit that banks are unable to do, but it's a competition of trying to get CRA credit. Uh, it's not really changing the way banks lend. Um, you know, I think uh, banks do a good job in lending to low moderate income as it stands today. Um, that, that could be up to debate with some advocacy groups, I'm, I'm sure. But uh, in most banks, I don't see CRA credit being a problem. And, and I think the, the um, ratings show that. So Gary, let me ask you one more question. Um, do you think that the new CRA rules will provide additional opportunities for lending? Uh, will it really change that paradigm at all? And do you see further complications if the FDIC or the FRB enact uh, CRA rules that may be different from what the OCC has? Yeah, I, I, I know that part of OCC's intent is their thinking behind this is that, um, and some advocacy groups too, is possibly that it will expand lending. Um, in my banker opinion, I think banks um, always try to lend, they're in the money or in the business to lend money out and incentive to do so. Um, and I don't think any loan officer, when they're going through approving loans, are like, well, this is a CRA opportunity, now I'm able to do this. Um, they're always wanting to make that loan, whether it's, you know, $100,000 or $100 million. Um, we're in the business to make loans and um, receive income just, you know, just the same on the small loans as the large loans. And any community banker, I think, would uh, attest to the same thing. I mean, we're all about the community, whether it be small or large loans. So, Yeah. Do you see, do you foresee that there'll be difficulties if the FDIC comes out with their CRA rules and then the Fed comes out with their CRA rules. I mean, that could be challenging. I mean, I, I think you're probably, your oversight is the Fed, I would assume, um, or FDIC. Um, but it's going to be hard to align. You would think there would be one overall policy when it came to CRA. Yeah, um, you know, Capital Bank, we're a FDIC um, regulated bank. And I think that all the stakeholders would like to see, you know, across the board from American Bankers Association, independent community bankers, to have all uh, three regulators on the same page. Um, it can be confusing um, enough, you know, with, when there's different, um, you know, plus there could be a charter change enough if they're not right. the same. That's right. You know, one could decide to go, well, I like the FDICs better. If there's gonna be a big burden on it, you could see charter jumping. Um, which obviously nobody wants either. Right. right, that's interesting. Well, thank you so much uh, for 
giving some clarity to this. I think, th I think there's still a lot that we don't know when it comes to CRA. I know that there has been certainly a desire to see it grow up. It's from 1977 <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> you know, 40 years ago, it, it is time to grow up. But most, most financial services statutes and regulations are so old. Agreed. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. And, and I wish your bank the best of luck as you try to figure out uh, what's going to be best in, as far as compliance goes. So before I let you go, what I like to do with all my guests is I ask them two questions. And the first is, because this is a to-go theme podcast, I would like to hear if you have a favorite takeout experience uh, while you have been sheltering in place. I do. Uh, like many others uh, that are listening, um, you know, we're big Cheesecake Factory lovers. And Who is knowing it? that if I, at late at night, if I just want, to, and my wife as well, a piece of cheesecake, I can have that delivered, just two pieces. And we, we have done that on multiple occasions. Um, so I think I'll be addicted to this DoorDash and Eat Street. Um, so some positive things that have come out of the pandemic, I guess. That's great. I, you know, I hear there's been a lot of stories about uh, using these delivery services, good and bad, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm glad you're having a positive experience with it. And it is, you know, it's good to see the folks that are doing the delivering and, and, and you know, hopefully getting some financial uh, benefit from that as well. And finally, um, we at the podcast, in consideration of your time, um, would like to make a small donation on your behalf to a local food bank or a food charity or a charity in your region that is helping um, people of your area in this time of need. And I was wondering whether you have an organization you'd like to tell us about. I do, and I think that's great that you do that and also ties into this whole CRA theme, but um, there is an organization called Lucia Community Education Center uh, based in Madison that um, not only has a food pantry, but also helps with uh, children um, after school, before school, summer program that now more than ever, um, um, need that right now so they do so thank That's a great you. choice thank you so much we've had uh, a lot of listeners from all over the country and we're really helping uh, really feel fortunate that we're able to help um organizations such as that you know in in certain regions so i'm glad it's making a really important impact um so gary again thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and thank you to our listeners um uh, for coming and joining Credit Eco to Go. For more information about our podcast and future podcasts, please go to my bio page at clarkhill.com or to my LinkedIn page. All episodes of Credit Eco to Go can be found on Buzzsprout and Spotify. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have ideas for future show topics, please email us at creditecotogo at clarkhill.com. Thank you, be well, and stay safe. This podcast is intended for general education and informational purposes only and should not be regarded as either legal advice or a legal opinion. You should not act upon or use this publication or any of its contents for any specific situation. Recipients are cautioned to obtain legal advice from their legal counsel with respect to any decision or course of action contemplated in a specific situation. Clark Hill PLC and its attorneys provide legal advice only after establishing an attorney-client relationship through a written attorney-client engagement agreement. This recording does not establish an attorney-client relationship with any recipient.